0: Welcome to Speak A Dog Cast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from W-O-U-F Wolf Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me here today and happy new year to everybody. Yes, a very, very happy new year to everyone. For all you first time listeners, welcome. Yes, welcome to an amazing dog podcast where it's all about dog training. No nonsense, no BS. To the point keeping it simple for you all about getting you good results with training with your dog you might have found some of those other dog podcasts are a little frou frouy and cutesy that's not what you're gonna find here sorry if that disappoints you but if you're looking to really train your dog make a difference in your dog's life make a difference in your life have a listen and click subscribe new episodes come out every single wednesday and you are going to want to check them out follow me on instagram at speak a dogcast and be sure you are joining me for our join me for our training tip tuesdays yes we just kicked off doing our training tip Tuesdays every single week on Instagram. Going to give you a brand new dog training tip, so be sure you subscribe and check it out. If the visual thing is more your thing, head on over to youtube.com slash speakadogcast. Subscribe to my YouTube channel today. And if you'd like to support the show even further, become a patron of the show today at patreon.com slash speak a And if you just want to support the show on a very basic level, which I'm totally cool with, do me a favor, scroll down, click that five star rating, leave me a review. I would love to know what you guys are thinking. Look, it's really easy. It's really simple for you to do. Hey, look at it as a new year's resolution to leave awesome reviews for great podcasts. <laughs> if you love what you're hearing guys, do me a huge favor. I'd greatly appreciate it. Click that five star rating. It's only gonna help the podcast grow. And speaking of podcast growing, holy crap, I have to say thank you. Like, wow, thank you to everybody, to my listeners, to everyone in this new year. Uh, you know, we're looking back at some analytics. We, me, you know, I'm I'm the podcast. Hi. Uh looking back at the <laughs> analytics for this past year, and all I can say is thank you guys. I've been really kind of blown away. Um I admit I've kind of neglected a little bit of my analytics and looking and haven't been on social media like I should. I I fully admit it, but going back and looking at my numbers, I'm... I'm touched, I'm blown away, and I have to say thank you to everybody again. I'm just repeating myself because I'm I'm a little flabbergasted, really. Um, on Spotify this year, my my listenership went up like 97%, something insane. In, on, and again, I'm not endorsing Spotify. These are just my analytics from. Them. I'm not getting anything or whatever. Uh, Spotify said I'm being streamed in 54 different countries. What? Yeah, you heard me right. 54 different countries this podcast is being streamed, in. my top five are gonna be the United States, Canada, Australia, Germany, and then Spain. Blown away, guys. Thank you, everybody, so much from the bottom of my heart. I really, really appreciate it. It's fuel, guys. It's fuel for the podcast fire. It's making me want to create more content for you guys. I know I've been saying I got to do it. I'm going to do it. This is it, guys. This is it. Let's do it. You guys are really motivating me. You're making me want to get out there, you know, full-blown honesty. It, this is truly, and I'm not like, Hey, it's the David Farb show. No, this is the David Farb show. This is the, everything you hear, the writing, the research, the podcast, the editing, the putting it out there. Um, all of it is me. I do a hundred percent of it. My Instagram, everything. And to be honest, guys, it, it became a lot last year. It became a lot. Also trying to run a full fledged dog training business, um, by myself, no employees, nothing. So it was a lot this past year and it's definitely made me kind of step back and that's why the podcast part of the reason the podcast unplanned um not in November uh we didn't really have the podcast in November so it has been a lot of crazy things going on and that's why I just kind of wanted to chat with you guys today and say hey you know I'm here I see the feedback I love the feedback I appreciate it and I'm going to do more this year to give you guys more dog training content more options more ability to get ways to give you guys the education and the information you need to have success with your pets so I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are too. I hope you join me here weekly for the podcast in this brand new year, 2024. So let's get it going. On today's show, dog training, a lost art, that it is. What do I mean by an art? We'll talk about that. David, don't you always say dog training is psychology? It is, but there's a little bit of art, a little bit of finesse, a little bit of English, if you will. We'll talk more in depth about what that means. Then the next segment is, should you be the alpha? It's a question we all have heard. You've maybe asked it yourself. You've heard the word alpha thrown around, right? We're gonna talk about what the definition of that truly means and if you should or shouldn't be the alpha with your dog. Then comes the history of Animal Mascots 101 followed by the listener Q&A. And if you have any uh, questions for the listener question and answer, please feel free to reach out to me, dog training, animal training, animal related, dog related, you name it, send me a question questions at speakadogcast.com or feel free to just message me on social media. Now before we get going with today's show, gotta give you that trivia question. Today's question is going to be, what animal has the shortest lifespan? Yes, what animal has the shortest lifespan? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak A Dog dog training, a lost art. Yes, dog training, I always say, look, normally, right? I always say dog training is science-based, and it is. Don't get me wrong. However, there is definitely a feel side, especially, I believe, to dog training versus, like, training exotic animals or, for that matter, any other species on the planet. I truly believe there is a difference in working with a dog than working with anything else. And there's a reason. There actually is a very honestly a very scientific reason for this, right? It goes back to the thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years ago that we first started domesticating dogs leading all the way up to this moment in history where we are now. We spent a long time domesticating the dog. Look, guesses are roughly somewhere between 30 to 40,000 ish Years ago, uh, that number has actually gone up a bit, right? It used to be, believed somewhere between 20 and 30. And we've been able to prove, again, through science, we're more like at the 30 to 40,000 year mark. So holy crap, (laughs) 30 to 40,000 years, we've been domesticating the dog to get the product we see today. And what's fascinating is roughly about 80 to 85% of dog breeds that you and I know today did not exist 150 to 200 years ago. That's right, you can actually thank the Victorian period. Uh, of course, period of time where we had a lot of people, wealthy, wealthy aristocrats, a lot of wealthy people with a lot of money and a lot of time. This is, again, a period in history where technology is getting better. Unfortunately, they had a lot of servants, things like that, where they had the time to have hobbies. And then one of the newest, most fascinating hobbies for everybody was dog breeding. Yes, dog breeding. So really kind of interesting that majority of the dog breeds today did not exist even just 200 years ago. Um, So with that said, we've done some interesting studies on dogs and human beings. And the fact that dogs have this almost built in, well, it really is built in an inherent need and want to please humans, work with humans, be with humans, have humans as a part of their pack. Uh, I'm not gonna talk through the whole study today because I've said it so many times on the podcast before because I love it, it's one of my favorite studies. But basically, they did a study with wolves and dogs to find that a wolf will not look to a human for help in a moment when they need it, when they can't figure out a task, when they can't complete something and they can clearly see um, they can't get to it. It doesn't matter. They won't ever look at a human for help. The dog will. Within 30 seconds usually, within 30 to 45 seconds, normally the dog will get frustrated, realize they can't accomplish the task and look at a person in the room for help. Something unique to dogs. Yes, uh, there really are no other animals that will do this. Now we could get into the argument of really highly, highly intelligent animals, self-aware animals, but guys, that's such a small percentage of the animal kingdom, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about on the whole, the vast majority of animals on this planet, and the reality is dogs are one of the few. For that matter, how many of you are hanging out with apes? You know what I mean? Like We don't have those relationships with them for a multitude of reasons. Dogs, on the other hand, we do. Reason being is, we created that. It's kind of like a mind, it's, it's a little bit of a, a mind thing, if you will, that we actually genetically over thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years and breeds and thousands upon thousands of breeds, and all of a sudden we have this thing, this creature (laughs) that wants to look at us for help, that wants to be a part of us. It's incredible. I mean, really, it's incredible when you think about it, that human intervention and human breeding has literally created this genetic thing, this trigger, this blueprint. I mean, evolution is fascinating, isn't it? And we we essentially sped up evolution because we could uh, with these dogs and breeding and selective breeding. And it's not really evolution when you think about it because it's very selective uh, on what we were looking for, what we wanted. So fascinating stuff. Now, the average dog owner today <laughs> is going to be very different from the average dog owner 200, 300, 5,000 years ago. When you think about it, it's very basic in history that the whole reason dogs and humans evolved is because it was this wonderful symbiotic relationship where dogs helped us hunt and vice versa. You know, at one point, 30 to 40,000 years ago, some wolf somewhere decided to come over toward a village and, hey, what's going on? And all of a sudden the human went, hey, what's up, buddy? You want a steak? Threw the wolf a steak. Next thing you know, the wolf comes back the next night with his wolf buddy. And those are the wolves that keep breeding and they start to understand humans aren't scary. They work with humans and boom, here we have a Pomeranian. (laughs) <laughs> right like we went from that amazingness to fluffy <laughs> kind of crazy when you think about it but the point is human beings develop dogs not as a matter of a cute thing to have for fun but no matter of necessity we could even argue human beings might have evolved even faster we might have have become stronger and a more protein-based uh, creature because of dogs. We actually, you know, when we started not hunting, you know, not just, uh, gathering and everything, we actually started hunting, hunting and learning how to keep meat over, you know, and and, and then farming and all this stuff. Arguably farming could have been accelerated because of the hunting of dogs. Like what? Yeah, crazy. Okay. So again, I could talk forever about this amazing relationship we have with dogs, but here we go. So we've gotten to this point in history in the 1800s where all of a sudden we don't need dogs as much as we did before. Because we've learned how to mass produce things, uh, we're building machines, the steam engine comes about. All of these things start coming about where we all of a sudden don't need animals to pull our wagons anymore. Uh, we get a little further along and all of a sudden we have trains. We don't need horses to go hundreds of miles anymore. So we start getting further and further and further away for this need, this need not even need symbiotic relationship with the animal versus just an animal for food, you know? And in doing so we have so far removed ourselves as human beings from that natural world. And what I find over and over and over and over and over again, everywhere I go with every dog owner I interact with, and I'm sorry, it's true, majority, vast majority. I'll say that always the exceptions. Is we don't know how to train dogs anymore. The reason my job exists is because of our removal from nature. The whole reason a dog trainer is a dog trainer is because you've lost that art. It's true, it's very true. The whole reason a grocery store has become a grocery store, we've lost the art of learning how to hunt. I know some people are anti hunting. (laughs) I respect someone who hunts for their food. I really do. And truly uses every part of the animal. And to me, it's an incredible thing. I think it is. It's our history. It's where we came from. I don't have that art. It's an art. Knowing how to properly respect and butcher an animal like that is an art form that we have lost, isn't it? We're losing it. And I see dog training, not quite the same, but it's the same thing. A lot of these things in life, because of our removal from, from nature, for better or for worse, <sighs> remains to be seen. Time will tell and history will tell, but I don't know, guys. I don't know. This is part of the reason I do love my job a bit and, and I love being able, just my own dogs even. You know, just having my own dogs, that reminds me a little bit. Going out on hikes and sure, it's not hunting, it's not having to do all those things, but... I like getting back to nature and reminding myself where I came from, where you came from, where we all came from. And I think people who don't do that are truly doing themselves a disservice. I mean that with like all the kindness and love you got to get out in nature guys, because the reason you don't know how to train your dog is because you're not out in nature anymore. It's just the truth. (laughs) Someone back there just had a big, Oh, (sighs) they agree. (laughs) So, how do we get back to this? How do we find this lost art form of dog training? And, you know, before we get onto that, I just want to make this little kind of like distinction, right? I'm I'm a guy of science. I always say it. Um, got to prove it to me for me to believe it. And so David, you're sitting here talking about an art form and art. Isn't that like feel and things you say, I always have said there's some feel to it, right? There's always some feel to training. There always is. And that's, that's the, that's like the art side, if you will. Um, but, If you only have the art side of it, you don't have the science to back it up. There's a very famous trainer out there who I truly believe has absolutely mastered the art. He has mastered the art of dog training. I mean, mastered it. But he has no science to back it up. He uses his own words, his own definitions, his own things. That's not science. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Guy, the guy has mastered it. Respect, like mad respect for him. But where's the science to back it up? And so that's the thing. Guys, I'm the first, I started on feel. I started on feel 14, 15 years ago, whatever I'm at now. I started totally on feel. I am the first to admit it. I had no clue, absolutely no idea what the hell I was doing when I started dog training. Hi, I'm David. I was bad at dog training when I first started. <laughs> I wouldn't even say, no, I wouldn't say I was bad. I would say I wasn't good, okay? Like, listen, I wouldn't go all the way to bad. Because uh, when I got into it, I had, I had a little feel. I had a little of the art side. I had a little bit of the eye for it. I was lucky. That's that genetic whatever built-in somethingness. My family used to be farmers once upon a time, and my grandfather on the other side wanted to be a dairy farmer. So, hey, who knows? Who knows, right? That's that lucky little blueprint. We all get our own. We all, you know, everybody, you've all got something out there, whether you're you're artistic with drawing, whether you're just really good with numbers. Everybody's got that built-in something that's genetic somehow, right? So there was that. But that only got me so far when I started training, guys. It, it only got me so far. I mean, I'll never forget my very first client where we only got mediocre success with the dog because the reality was I didn't know what I was doing enough. I knew some what I was doing we got some success, right? Like, that's cool. Uh, very, very first, and I'm talking very first client. Many years ago, I think I was charging 20 bucks. Uh, <laughs> like, looking back, crazy. Uh, anyway, so you have to know what you're doing in order for the art, in order to master the art in my, well, right? The other guy's mastered the art, but missing the psychology side of it. And that's the thing, he's not missing all of it. He's not missing all of the psychology side. He's just missing a really good chunk of it, in my opinion. And that's why he's really good, because he has a little bit of the psychology to back him up. Just his own BS gets in the way. Um, Just my opinion, my humble opinion. Um, So, how do you master the art of dog training? Guys, it's the same way you master anything. You have to go out there and do it 20,000 times. (laughs) I'm serious. You have to go out there and do it 20,000 times. And a couple thousand of those times, you're going to fall flat on your face and fail. You got it. Your dog is not gonna be perfect. You have to get out there and fail 5,000 out of those 20,000 times. I'm just telling you right now, because without that failure, you will not learn. You won't. I want you to have the successes, but man, you will not learn how to gain those true long-term training successes. You will not master the art form of dog training without failure. And I think that's a big thing to note for the average owner. Get out of your own way. Get out of your own way and let yourself fail. Let your dog fail. It's not gonna be pretty. (laughs) You're not gonna like it in the moment, but what I want you to do is go, okay, we failed there what could i do differently next time did i miss something did, did he hone in too fast and i wasn't controlling his focus was i even was i even talking did i even try to redirect his focus before we even got to that trigger i saw the trigger and my first thought wasn't to re- if you're not thinking those things you'll never master this stuff you'll never even get an art degree in it you know I'm? I'm kidding artists i'm kidding <laughs> all right you see what i'm saying here you have to be able to look at your failures as a way to find success. And I think that's the biggest thing that most owners don't do, especially when I'm around, or another professional's around, you guys really don't wanna fail in front of us, and I get that, but that's that's why I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to watch you fail, to tell you what you're doing wrong, to tell you what you missed, to tell you you could have reinforced that behavior, and then you go, oh, now I see it. Yeah, It's really hard to see yourself something. You know what I mean? Like You can't just step outside yourself and watch what's going down. So you can't always see even what your failures are. And that's why, hi, my name's David. That's why I'm here. Uh, (laughs) That's why other behavior specialists, other trainers, that's why we're here guys, because you can't just always watch yourself and know exactly what you're doing wrong. You can't do it, it's impossible. Um, I, I tell people, you know, if you've got a spouse or a roommate or kids or whatever living, if you have anybody else that lives in your house with you, to me that is always such a golden ticket because I can go, look, you guys gotta be buddies. Point out, we're talking about it now. We're talking about what's right, what's wrong, what you should do correctly, and that's incorrect. Okay, you guys gotta help each other. Support each other. Tell somebody when they're doing it wrong, tell them how to do it right. Well, don't tell them how to do it right. Let me do that. Uh, that that'll cause a fight, especially between spouses. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, it, creating an art out of dog training takes repetition more than anything. Just being honest. Takes repetition more than anything. Knowledge, understanding comes first. Okay. Once you have that knowledge and understanding, then you have to apply it. Because once you can apply knowledge and understanding, without knowledge and understanding, right? I'm going to do it over and over and over and go. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Uh, but with that knowledge and understanding, I can do it over and over and go. Ah, six out of ten were those were not so good. Let's fix it. Next ten reps. Hey, look at that. We're five out of ten, not so good. Now, hey, look at that. Only four out of ten. Okay. You can start measuring your successes better, right? Uh, now, as a little side note, just like I said on my training tip Tuesday this last week, for those of you guys not. Uh, Uh, subscribing to my Instagram, go check my Instagram out, speak a dog cast. I am coming out with a brand new training tip every single Tuesday for you guys training tip Tuesdays on my Instagram. And this last week we were talking about how to create success in the new year with your dog. And one of the, one of the tips on there is very important. Keep a training log. You know, I was just talking about, you see seven or six, you know, you see your successes uh, go up and your failures go down. It's sometimes it's hard to measure those if you're not logging them. Something really simple, just whatever works for you, however you wanna document it day by day. Uh, Look, puppy owners, side note, I do the same thing with puppies, with pee and poop time, with housebreaking. It's really easy to see a pattern and break a pattern you don't like or reinforce a pattern you do like if you have it written down in a log. The time, what they did, all that kind of stuff. So side note, get those logs, get a little notebook, something uh, to keep a training log so you can better measure and analyze your progress and failures, right? Yes, okay, so very important, guys. But again, check out my Training Tip Tuesdays on Instagram, subscribe to my Instagram at DogCast. Yes, every Tuesday, new training tip coming at you. All right, so back to mastering the art of dog training. So there's the science side of it, right? You gotta have that, then you gotta do it 20,000 times. Now within those 20,000 times, within those 20,000 repetitions, I know it seems like a lot, it seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Uh, look, I when I first started training, or excuse me, when I first started the podcast, um, I had a number, I'd kind of tried to multiply it over the years and roughly how many dog hours, knowing, knowing how many dogs I had in the house per year, uh, my experience at the show experience, volunteering, whatever. And when I first started the podcast, I think it was roughly at like 70,000 ish hours. I could be off. I could be wrong. <clears throat> uh, training dogs. And to be honest, guys, at this point, we've got to be well, well over a hundred thousand hours, uh, experience of training dogs. 100,000, like 100,000 hours. Y'all hearing that? Okay. It takes a lot of time and a lot of repetition to get good at anything. Okay. But if you truly want to step up your dog training game, I got, I got, I got a very big tip here for you. Go to your local rescue, go to your local shelter and volunteer. You're going to kill two birds with one stone here. Okay. Number one, you're gonna help dogs. <laughs> Yay, you're helping your local shelter, everybody's happy, the dogs benefit, and you're going to benefit as well. I want you to talk to them, they say, hey, look, I've been training my dog, I really wanna work on my training skills. They might, a lot of, a lot of uh, places have dog trainers on staff or dog trainers that might come in once or twice a week to work with people, work with the dogs. They might be willing to teach you a lot number one, okay? Number two, you're getting to see all different kinds of dogs, breeds, sizes, personalities, everything, you name it. You're going to get to work with so many different dogs and it's going to teach you a lot about learning how to handle them, learning how to read body language, um, all these different things. And it's gonna give you the opportunity to help better their lives as well as get some insight into your training. Okay, even if it's something as simple as taking the easier dogs out for a nice walk, it's gonna be huge for them. It's going to be huge and it's going to be great for you. And eventually we can start teaching those dogs how to walk better on leash, making them more adoptable. You're going to help out and you're going to get so much out of it yourself learning how to train. I truly highly, highly, highly recommend going to a shelter. If you're truly interested in mastering the art of dog training, it's one of the best ways to get out there and do it. And not only that, like I said, you're helping out, you're volunteering. I mean, come on, what's going to be better than that guys. All right. So something to think about, but at the end of the day, guys, this really comes down to repetition and knowledge. That's how we master this dog training, especially in a world where we are so far removed from nature, where we're so far removed from animals and our everyday lives. It's so important that you find a way to get out there, immerse yourself in it, understand it, breathe it, live it, take it in, go hiking more, get outside, volunteer at your local shelters. It's the best way for you to master your dog training skills. So good luck out there in the new year. Happy new year to everybody. And hey, I hope you can master those dog training skills soon. your dog barking all the time or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around well we can help at the nature of training and speak a dog we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets no matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing from an unruly puppy to more severe issues we can help our virtual training programs are catered to you and your pet and create a training plan that gets results. For more information, you can check out our website at www.thenatureoftraining.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. With the ability to connect, teach, and train with pet owners around the world, together we can make a better home for our furry friends. The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, helping you achieve success with your pet. A dog cast, should you be the alpha? Question I get uh, sometimes. Do David, do you believe in the alpha dog? Do you have to be the alpha? Or I just get, oh, yeah, you got to be the alpha. Got to be in charge. Got to be the alpha. So I'll say, oh, your dog needs to look at you as like a leader. And they go, oh, yeah, the alpha. You got to be the alpha. Right? Like, you get that response a lot. And I'll be honest, it's right and it's wrong. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing yes. You need to be in charge of your dog. You need to be a leader of your dog, absolutely. Do you need to be an alpha? My response is, well, it depends on what your definition of an alpha is. That's really the response, That that's really the answer, because that's the truth. It depends on what your definition of an alpha is. I could say the same thing about punishment, right? People ask me, do you use punishment? And my response, usually a lot of them, I mean, well, usually it's, well, yes, I do. And I'll go, but oh. yeah, but how do you define punishment? How do you define punishment? Because most people define punishment with some form of the word abuse in mind. And that's just 100% not true, 100% not true. Uh, we don't need to get into punishment today, but guys, you're punished left and right or the threat of punishment anytime you go out into society. It's just, it's the way we work. Um, whether you like it or not, taking a toy away from a baby is, or a baby, excuse me, a child, uh, is a form of punishment, believe it or not. Yeah, crazy. Okay, so yes. It all depends on what your definition of alpha is, and so let's talk a little about that. Most people in the human world are going to define the word alpha or the the the, the definition of what a dog alpha is, an alpha dog. Um, they're going to use strong and, and like we almost think of sort of macho type, almost aggression yeah <laughs> like my crap gr- That's like that's what people think of when they hear the word alpha and that's why I don't like to use the word alpha when it comes to dogs because the reality is that's not what an alpha dog is. An alpha dog is not overly aggressive an alpha dog doesn't walk around like rrr, 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 having to overcompensate That's not an alpha dog. We think of that in the human world as an alpha dog when in reality it's an overcompensating jerk and not an alpha. Look, I ask you, do you want a leader who's up screaming at you and "Ah," like that? You want somebody leading you like that? Do you want somebody cowering behind a podium? No, you want somebody who's up there, who's calm, who's cool, collected, and commanding a presence. Not overly aggressive, not overly passive. Somewhere in the middle, maybe balanced might be a word that comes to mind. And how often do we talk about dogs and balance? All the time, all the time, because Honestly, for any animal on this planet, what do we all want, guys? What does everybody here want? What do you want? What do I want? More money. Well, yes, but (laughs) what can money buy you, though? Stability. David, money doesn't buy happiness. You're damn right it doesn't, but it sure as hell buys a roof over my head, insurance, uh, food, (laughs) buys things that kind of create survival. Now, I'm not saying money is the end all be right. Like, come on, give me a break. That's not what I'm saying. It's a joke. We can all laugh. But it is a prudent point, isn't it? We have to have money to survive. It's a matter of survival, and it's a matter of how we can create some level of balance in our life. We've met plenty of people with, you know, guys. I've, yeah, come on, right? Like everybody's met people with no money that's been married. You know, cutest couple ever been married seventy years. They're happiest can be, right? Happiest can be may not have a ton of money, but they're very happy. It's amazing. But I'll be honest: Are they in good health? Have they had health issues their whole life? Have they struggled financially? Have they had their struggles? Have, were they able to send their kids to the colleges they were? Not always. We can look at the other side of the coin and go, people with tons of money that are incredibly unhappy, incredibly materialistic, try to buy everything to buy their children's love, to buy their own love, you know, all this kind of... You can look at You can look at each one. With that said, I've met people with no money that are incredibly unhappy. I've met people with a ton of money that are incredibly happy and balanced in their life. I've, I've You know what I mean? It's the reality you make for yourself to some degree. At the same time, I do believe... We should strive for balance in our life. I do believe you should work hard enough to create enough wealth for yourself to create stability and happiness. It's just the truth of it. It's the way our world turns, guys. It's the way it works. I mean, wouldn't it be great if there was no money, but that's not the way. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to just buy? Wouldn't it be great if we could just, poof, make things out of thin air? Doesn't work that way, yet. (laughs) Okay, we're trying to get there, right? But the point I'm trying to make is every animal, every creature, every single human being on this planet wants one thing. And that is stability. We create stability through balance. Because, sorry, my dogs, again, sometimes when I have dogs back here, it kind of sounds weird through the microphone. And I can't figure out what's going on. And they're just, they're playing. They're having a good time. So don't mind a little bit of the noise in the background. You might hear some dogs playing there. No worries. Um, <laughs> anyway, so watching them in the camera here. This is funny. All right, so. Balance, stability, that's what these guys want, right? That's what these guys behind me want. They want balance and stability. And so if dogs want balance and stability, how do they create it? Well, they create it through a hierarchy. We've heard of this, and I know there's people out there that will argue, domesticated dogs don't operate in a hierarchy. I call bull crap on you. You don't know what you're talking about. I see it every day in my home. Guys, if you have multiple dogs, all you have to do is watch the way that they go to the front door. What, David, what are you talking about? When the doorbell rings, watch the way your dogs go to the front door because there's a dynamic, you'll see it. One will be first, then one will follow, one will be the back. you know what I mean? There's a dynamic and they will almost follow that dynamic every single time too because why? There is a hierarchy and a dynamic in your pack. Now I hope for your sake, you are at the top of that hierarchy with your pack. There's the alpha we talk about. Now, what is an alpha in the dog world? We'll get to that in a second. But the reality is guys, I don't, I don't care that this is domesticated dogs behind me for lack of a better phrase. My dogs know their place. Their place is being a happy, awesome, fulfilled dog. They get exercise, they get playtime, they get toys, they get all kinds of socialization. My dogs have an awesome life, but guess what? I am in charge because that's healthy. It's not healthy to have a dog in charge of you. That's not the way they're wired. Because they can, you're, you're different, we're different, we're smarter, we control, the, the, real, the real problem is human beings control so many aspects of a dog's life that they can't, like opening and closing a door for example, feeding for example, that the problem is there's always this battle for control because you're always going to control certain things but your dog's going to try to control others if they're trying to control you. And then you get this constant fight for control and that's where we get a lot of these behavioral issues that we get. So, yes is the answer to the, to the name of the segment, Yes, you need to be the correct definition, right? This is the asterisk, the correct definition of what an alpha dog is. Yes, you need to be that type of alpha to your dog. But I don't use the word alpha because it just gets so misconstrued in the human world and people just flat out don't understand what it means. Go back to that example of what does a leader look like? A leader should be calm, cool, collected, but not hesitate to lay down the law. Um, You know, my mom was actually pretty good at this. It was... It was hard to make my mom upset growing up. Thank goodness I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I didn't want to make my mom mad growing up. And she didn't get mad often. Why? Because I didn't want to make her mad. My mom was so good. at. The, she was so good because she was, you know, my mom was very, she was affectionate. She was, my parents, both my parents are very loving, right? Okay. But man, there was a line. My We're, we're best friends until you do something wrong. And not best friends, because we weren't. They were still the parent. I was the kid. Hierarchy. What? Weird. I knew my place as a child, because why? I was a child. I My brain's not developed enough to make good decisions. People think that these things back here, that have an even smaller brain than a four-year-old child, they think they're better at making decisions than a four-year-old child. Isn't that crazy? They think they should, that their dog should run them and... Okay, the other segment today where I talked about the French Bulldog example uh, online, the, the social media with this French Bulldog. And someone commented, your dog, own- yeah, your dog probably owns you because this dog is scratching and they're encouraging. They said, your dog probably owns you. And you know what the response was? Yep. Proud of it. I find that really sad. Really sad that people are proud that their French Bulldog owns them. How cute is this? It's going to get me likes. Oh, guys, you shouldn't just be the alpha of your dog because, ooh, you should be. It's not like a masculine problem. No, it's because this is the way dogs are wired. And the fact that you let your dog walk all over you means you're actually making your dog anxious and giving it behavioral problems. So to me, sorry, you ready for it? That's passive abuse. Is it not? You're knowingly allowing that dog to practice bad behaviors and you're not doing a damn thing about it. What do you call that? I don't know. Mm. So I know this alpha thing. Like, Guys, it's not a matter of like you need to be mean to your dog. It's you need to be balanced to your dog. Your dog needs to have rules, boundaries, okay? Like the reason my dogs are sitting here so chills because they've had some exercise this morning, right? Walk, we're good, we're happy, we're all all gravy here. And they played a little and then they laid back down and relaxed, but they're not out of control, they're not bouncing all over the place, they're not slamming into the walls, their tails aren't going so hard that they're they're literally ripping the end of their tail up because they're so freaking oh, he's happy tail. No, that's anxious tail, guys. That's overexcited tail. That's not balanced healthy dog tail. No, it's happy tail. No, it's not because you're not giving your dog enough leadership to make them feel comfortable in their own skin, guys. That's what's happening here. Yeah, truth bomb. People don't. It's funny, like, my wife and I kind of joke about this, because she has a very personal job, right? It's people's taxes and people's, you know, she deals with very personal stuff that I don't, you know, that's, that's her world. And on the other end, I deal with very personal stuff. A dog. The funny thing is most people don't have an, a, a heart attachment to their money. There's definitely an attachment, an emotional component, but it's not this like heart glued to the money for most people. But their dogs on the other hand. So when I deal with something like a dog, and I have to like literally go in and tell a person that doesn't think they're doing anything wrong, and they think it's the dog, and I have to go, you're literally doing everything wrong. Oh, it's tough. These jobs where you have to deal with people's personal lives are tough. And there is very few things more personal than a family pet, you know? Love my dogs, I get it. Someone told me I was being, I, I get it. But at the same time, like, you know there's a problem. You know in your heart there's an issue. And I hate to say it, but most of the time, guys, most of the time when I walk in, it's people not providing enough leadership to their dogs. People not providing enough structure to their dogs. Rules, boundaries, discipline, and affection. It's just all the secondary. It's just all affection. There's no anything else. That's what being an alpha dog truly means. Providing the balance of all of that structure, rules, boundaries, discipline, all that good stuff with the balance of the affection. I can't just give my dogs affection all day and expect them to be perfect. It's never gonna happen. If I don't exercise, stimulate. Exercise is, by the way, guys, exercise walks, That is structure. That is rules. That is boundaries. It's not all of them. It's not everything. But that is a part of it. People discount so much what a walk truly can be for a dog. Okay? Being an alpha means walking your dog. Being an alpha means structure rules, boundaries, discipline. Being a dog means not letting your dog have a free-for-all all the the time. Being an alpha means not letting your dog jump on people. Being an alpha means not letting your dog bolt out the door on you. Being an alpha means not letting your dog demand things of you, bark at you, tell you when it's time to go out, tell you when it's time to eat, tell you when it's time to do this, tell you when it's time to do that. That's not a balanced dog, and that's not what an alpha. You're not an alpha if if your dog is doing all of these things. Again, I don't like the word alpha. I'm just going to reiterate it because it connotates aggression. Nah, it's cool, calm, and collected. When my dogs are thinking about being bad, I'm going, hey. That's usually all it takes. then once they stop, cool, we're right back to it. Hey, good boy. Yes, good boy. (laughs) See, I can sound like a fool, just like the next person with my dog when I'm affectionate with them. But can you discipline and create structure for your dogs just like I did? Think about it, guys. Call cool, calm, cool, collected, that is an alpha dog, with the affection too. Like, I don't know how many of you guys, I'm not, I'm not that old, but at the same time, I'm getting older. <laughs> um, my parents gave a lot of tough love and I'm so freaking grateful for it. Uh, they weren't too tough. They weren't, sometimes maybe, sometimes maybe, but I'm so much, I'm happy they went a little too much than too little. Just, that's the truth. Grateful for it. I don't know how many of you guys out there had parents like that, created a nice balance of discipline and affection and the funny thing is guys if you create the right amount of structure the right amount of rules the right amount of discipline what you'll discover is all of a sudden you don't really have to use discipline parents how many of you out there have like really good kids i mean right like you got a 15 year old that's just awesome plays by the rules gets good grades listens doesn't party on the weekends with their friends that was me i'm being honest like that was me until maybe my senior year had a little more fun but still very within reason you'd be shocked um, like we were really good kids and why I had respect for my parents. I really did I had a lot of respect for my parents because they did the discipline stuff right to begin with. And then it became a lot more affection. I was allowed to have a lot more freedom as a teenager because I was a good kid. I was a good kid because I followed the rules. So that's the thing. It's the same thing with dogs. If we provide the right amount of structure rules, boundaries to begin with, you will discover you don't have to provide as much of that. And instead it can kind of just become mostly affection. That's why I have such a balanced, good relationship with my pups. Rules were stated first. Expectations were stated, outlined very clear. They understood them. They realized staying within the expectations get them, gets them love, food, affection, treats, awesome stuff. Why wouldn't we want to do this? It's pretty simple at the end of the day. Okay, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid, right? All right, so keep in mind, guys, alpha doesn't mean aggressive. It just means balance. Let's think of it that way. Alpha dog means balance. Create balance in your life, create balance in your dog's life, and you will have a much easier time training your pup as well as they'll be happier and healthier. The answer to today's trivia question, what animal has the shortest lifespan? It's the mayfly, yes, also known as the shadefly or the fishfly. Now, they're an aquatic insect that usually live in water by burrowing themselves in the bottom of lakes or ponds. There's about 3,000 known species of the mayfly, and although they only live 24 hours, females in this time are able to mate and lay eggs before they die. Now, after hatching, they spend about two years at the bottom of the water habitat until they can grow wings. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the history of animal mascots 101. Today, we'll be talking about Florida A&M, a historically black university, Florida Agricultural Mechanical University, or more commonly known as Florida A&M, was founded in 1887. Now, the school was founded in Tallahassee, Florida, where the state's largest African American populations lived at the time, and also a reference to the town's unfortunate past in the slave trade. Now, the school was founded as the State Normal College for Colored Students, then became the State Normal and Industrial College for Colored Students. And finally, in 1953, the school changed their name to the current one, Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. And like most colleges and universities, uh, Florida and A&M went through a few mascot name changes over the years. They had a few different animals represent the school. Uh, at one point, they were the Wildcats, like their rival, Bethune-Cookman University. And then in the 1940s, they were the Pink Flamingos. Not exactly a very intimidating mascot, is it? No. So The final choice was definitely something to be feared, though. The current mascot is the Rattlers. Yes, a reference to an Eastern Diamondback rattlesnake. Now, the thing is the rattlesnake, the rattler reference actually might've been a reference to two different things. Now, firstly, there was an all black infantry regiment that served in World War I. They were the 369th regiment. And by the time they had made their way over to France, their commanding officer, Colonel William Hayward, he had named them the black rattlers. Now there's another association with these scary serpents. Yes, the school itself was once founded on an old, or excuse me, was founded on an old slave plantation owned by William Pope Duval. Some of you might recognize the name Duval as he was previously a serving governor of Florida and Jacksonville's Duval County was named after him. Now when the school moved into the old plantation there was a bad infestation of eastern diamondback rattlesnakes, hence the name Rattlers. (laughs) Now over the years the school and the students were heavily involved in desegregation efforts and committing to offering a college education for all. Next on Speak Dogcast, It's the listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Emily from Lynchburg, Virginia. Emily says, how do you get a dog to stop jumping on guests that come over? Part of the problem is that my guests usually encourage the behavior, but I don't need my 85 pound lab jumping on my 78 year old mom or my kids friends either. How do you fix this behavior? Emily, great question. Um, you know, look, there's a few episodes that I've done on the front door, and basically it's how to get your dog to greet people at the front door calmly. I would definitely recommend going back and checking out those episodes. There are quite a few. They're title segments, so you should be able to find them relatively easily. The front door, knock, knock, who's there? Uh, it's your barking dog. I think that's one of them. <laughs> that might Actually, that might have been on how to get your dog to stop barking. Nah, no, I'm not so sure. Anyway, peruse through. Lots of great um, segments on that. However, look, it's got to start with leashing up your dog. It has to. That's the first thing. Second thing is you gotta control your guests a little bit. I know, Uh, one of the easiest things to do is, you can lie if you want, (laughs) or you can really hire somebody, Uh, but tell them you've hired a trainer to get this behavior under control. People usually understand spending money. People understand dollar signs. So if you tell your friends you're spending money on dog training to try to get them to stop, people usually cooperate better. Sorry, it's the truth. Uh, people are very rude. Like, they really are. I can't stand people that think that they know better than what you want for your dog. Like, I don't want my dog... Ju- oh, I don't care that your dog jumps on me. Well, that's great, but I don't want my dog jumping on you. So, can you stop? <laughs> like, I hear you. Oh, big pet peeve of mine, Emily. Big pet peeve. Okay, but it's gotta start with leashing up your dog and telling your guests to ignore your dog. Because the more they engage... Uh, over interact, you know, obviously you can tell, you said it, they're reinforcing the behavior. You know it, I know it. All right, so you've gotta leash up your dog, get them to ignore your dog, and try to get your dog to calm down. Now again, going into the front door exercise that I teach, and you can listen to those segments, we start utilizing a spot or a dog bed, teaching our dog to stay on the dog bed, slowing it down. Um, but look, suffice to say, it's gonna take some time. Clearly I can hear that this has been reinforced for a while, and I'm gonna give you the warning now, when you start doing this, it actually might make your dog worse to begin with because your dog might get really frustrated that he's not able to do his normal MO, that he's not able to get crazy, he's not able to work up, he's not able to jump on them. He might start barking, getting more jumpy, he might get a little out of control here. And so I got to warn you, because this behavior has escalated to a point like this, you, it, it, it probably is going to get a little worse before it gets better as you try to work through it. So I'm giving you the heads up uh, that you've got to try to just be consistent with this. Leash your dog up control, calm him down, use some treats to reinforce the behavior once he does, so on and so forth. I'm giving you the nutshell version because like I said, go check out some of those other episodes. Uh, all the info is there for you. Next question. This comes from Janet from Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, Janet says, I have been trying to teach my dog to stay and wait for his food, but he gets so excited. A couple O's on there. So excited. He just doesn't sit still. Anytime I walk away to fill his bowl or I try to put the food down, he just pops up and cannot contain his excitement. Any suggestions on how to get him to stay? Thanks for the question, Janet. Good question. You know, what I probably recommend is that you work a spot. Work a spot command. Um, You know, get a dog bed, teach your dog a spot command, totally separate from feeding time. I want you to just utilize some treats. Um, No food bowl, no food, not around the time you're feeding them. Okay, I want this to be totally totally disassociated with feeding time. Got to teach your dog a spot command. Again, lots of great segments. Go back, check out the spot. There's title segments titled, uh, spot command, things like that um, place, whatever you want to call it, by the way, it's what some people call it a place command station training it has multiple names, but the spot command is what I call it. And I would recommend teaching your dog a spot on its own. Once your dog gets really good at a spot and a stay on a spot, um, you're working it up to like, he can sit there for 10, 20 minutes without moving and he lays there. That's when we're going to bring the spot in over to feeding time and try to get him to stay on the spot and work on feeding then. Look, this is a process. It's a little easier said than done. This could be a good month-long process to get him because what I'm hearing is he is super, super, it's like the first, like like Emily's dog. Uh, your dog sounds like he's super excited to the point that it's almost uncontrollable. Uh, another side note, actually, Janet, and for you, Emily, take your dog's exercise up a little bit because that's another thing. Again, I can't make this... You know, I, I don't know. I haven't spoken further with you guys, obviously. I haven't seen what's going on, but a lot of times if I have dogs that are this out of control, this over uh, excited, it usually means there's not enough exercise going on and you might be really surprised what really upping your exercise with your dog will do to settle those moments down. So a little side note, up the walks, up the playtime, up the exercise, up the socialization, all that good stuff. Um, to up the amount of energy that we're expelling, okay? Now, Janet, i um, Like I said, you gotta teach the spot command independently, and then we're gonna bring it into feeding time, sit, stay on the spot, trying to go to the food. Now, first time you do move it over there, I would highly recommend having a second person help you out if you can. Leash your dog up on the spot, and then I want that person to just stay there stepping on the leash, and when you go get the food, that way if he pops up, He's not going you know, to get off the spot. That person can redirect him to his spot. We're gaining success. Because the problem is if he pops off that spot the first time you feed him and he's right back to that overexcitement, it's going to be tough to get that all back down again. So just a little side note there. But honestly, Janet work a spot command on its own independently of feeding time away from feeding bowl away from all that kind of stuff okay get that really solid to the point that you can walk away and your dog continues to stay there for 10 or 20 minutes once you get it to that point we're going to bring it into the feeding area have a friend help you out leash him up you walk away go get the food that way if he does get up your friend is there with the leash can redirect your dog doesn't get off of it keep going. Okay. Uh, then once you go and I hadn't gotten to this, once you set the food down, your friend is still stepping on the leash. So when you set the food down, your dog continues to stay. Another option is to just tether your dog to something very, 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 very sturdy and heavy. Please be careful when you tether your dog like that. Be sure you understand what that means and what comes with that. So throwing that out there, that's why I prefer to have a second person helping you out. Cause also no matter what you tether him to, that can't redirect him back to the spot, you know, uh, food for thought. Anyway, Good luck out there, Emily. Good luck out there, Janet. I hope you guys have some success uh, with working with your dogs there. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday and you're going to want to check them out. Follow me on Instagram at Speak DogCast and join me there for our brand new training tip Tuesdays with a new dog training tip every single Tuesday. If the visual things weren't your thing, find my YouTube channel at Speak A And you can become a patron of the show today at patreon.com slash dogcast as well. If you love what you're hearing, do me a favor, scroll on down, click that five-star rating, or leave me a review. I want to thank my patrons, my pup supporter, Ragula Wright, and my dog friend, Maureen Croson. Have a wonderful week, and don't forget, get out there and walk your dog.